Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Thank you for this church and thank you for all the churches represented here. Thank you for what you are doing, what you plan to do. Thank you for your plan for the church. Uh, and thank you because we are members of your church. We are not just members, we are workers. We are co-laborers with you. And Lord, we thank you for that privilege. And my prayers, I speak this morning, you will use me, you will speak through me, you will minister to your people. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen. We have two guest speakers. Our uh, second guest speaker just came and uh, he's upstairs. Amen. Uh, being attended to, he should be joining us very shortly. But I'll take the first session uh, this morning. Uh, I will be talking about growth. Amen. Uh, our next speaker is also going to talk a little bit about that. And you can see his uh, material that we, you know, that we prepare. He's also going to talk about practices of church growth. That's what he's going to be talking about. Uh, and he's, he's, he has two sessions. We are also going to be able to listen uh, from uh, Dr. Island. Uh, many of us know him. Uh, we're going to be able to ask questions. And I think that's, that's what this forum is all about. Just like last night, we were able to ask questions. Uh, all right. So I want to talk about capacity this morning. I want to talk about capacity. I want you to say capacity. Uh, anytime you talk about growth, uh, there's always something that is left out. It is the word capacity. Uh, because unless there's capacity, there is no growth. Oftentimes, what limits our ability to grow, whether it's professionally, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's even physically, whether it's spiritually, whether as a church, as an organization, is the capacity that we have for growth. Sometimes we may wish to grow, for example, if you want to grow uh, professionally, without developing the capacity, uh, it's like you're looking for promotion without developing the capacity to function in that role. Uh, And oftentimes people will offer you, in an ideal situation, uh, room for growth, you know, which many, many times we are looking for, room for growth, whether it is, in our career, whether it is in our, you know, personally, uh, you offer room for growth because it is believed you have the capacity for it. Capacity is the ability that we have inside of us uh, to be something that we are not yet. Uh, capacity is also used to measure how big containers are, right? Uh, containers are measured by their capacity, and that's why you have... Uh, you know, how many houses, houses does this hold, does this hold? We're talking about the capacity they have. Now, it doesn't always mean that you pour that amount of liquid in the bucket or in the container, but we're telling you this is the capacity this has to hold, all right? If we're going to hold more, we must develop capacity for more. We must. And, uh, and it doesn't matter what area of your life. Oftentimes, if you think of capacity, you are really going to be able to experience growth more. Most times what we do is just to think in terms of growth, not thinking capacity. Uh, So capacity is very, very, very important. Uh, Sometimes, um, and I believe that in the mind of God, uh, that becomes a limiting factor to how much he blesses us, even whether as individuals. And I believe God measures that even with a physical blessing, material blessing. Can we handle being blessed? Do we even have the capacity for God to give, give us responsibility? And God measures that by, for example, the word faithfulness. He said you have been faithful in little, you'll be faithful in more. That means you have, been, you have, you have the capacity to handle much more responsibility and much more blessing. Amen. So I put a note here, so I'm going to run through my notes because I really don't have a lot of time. Uh, so I need to do this quickly just to lay the foundation for 
uh, our guest, spe guest speaker, who is our main speaker for today. First of all, so you, you can see my note. Unfortunately, we couldn't uh, put uh, page numbers, so you're, you're just going to follow me by the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> just know where I am intuitively like that. Amen. So I'm doing section two, increasing our capacity for growth. God's plan is for his church to grow. And it's important because the kingdom of God must advance. All right? Uh, the church is a subsection of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is obviously uh, much bigger, but the church is an expression. It's meant to be an expression of the kingdom of God. All right? So God's plan is for his church to grow. Uh, because the church is not just... Uh, an organization. The church is an organism, and every living thing must grow, and that's important. Also, healthy things grow. Anytime there is no growth, it's because there is no health. You know, so church must be healthy, all right? And that is woven into the principle of creation. Uh, when you plant a tree, when you plant anything, uh, it must grow. Uh, and as long as there's health, as long as there's enough sunlight, there's water, uh, there's manure, there's all these things there, it creates a healthy condition for growth. So healthy things must grow. And that is very, very, very important. I have two scriptures there, Matthew 16, 18. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. That means the church will advance. The church will keep moving on and nothing will be able to stop it because that is God's plan. Amen. And John the Baptist said, I mean, John, Matthew said, he said, uh, from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. That means the kingdom of God is moving forward. Uh, so that's a basis to say we as a church, we must continue to grow. We must never uh, be shy about the desire to grow. We must never say, oh, you know, it's not about size. Uh, sometimes we say some of these things, uh, sometimes to justify our current condition. Oh, church is not about size. I think the kingdom of God is about size. The kingdom of God is our winning more souls. If it's not about size, why do we do evangelism? All right? Why do we even care about, you know, if, you, if, if you're not winning more souls, that means if all the churches uh, are not winning souls, that means the kingdom of God is not advancing. All right? So... Size matters, and because it matters to God. God wants to depopulate hell, right? And he wants to populate his kingdom. When you look at the uh, early church, when you look at the book of Acts, size mattered in the book of Acts, right? You know, he was always talking about how the church was growing, how the number of the disciples were increasing. That was like something they needed to let us know. Uh, the writer of the book of Acts wanted to make it, make it known clearly that size is important to God. Amen. So the early church was a growing church. Uh, the early church never apologized for growth. They never tried to downplay, oh, we don't need growth, we don't need more people. No, no, no. The early church made it its mission to grow. And we can see Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. On a daily basis, the Lord had it to them. I thought, I, you know, that's very powerful. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, the Bible says they were multiplied. The churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. All right? Multiplication, it went from addition to multiplication. Did you see that? They went from the Lord added to the church to them being multiplied. So when God is involved, there will be growth. And that's something that we, we know. When God is involved, there will be growth. First uh, Corinthians tells us 3, 7 is there. So ne neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. I want you to say it. God makes things grow. Isn't that the story of the church? Isn't that the story of the kingdom of God? Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is like a small a mustard seed, right? I know that became a forest. That's the story of the church. So when God is involved, there must be growth. Now, there are three different dimensions of growth. When we're talking about the church, of course, we talk about numerical growth. That's not the only dimension. 
Numerical growth means the church grows in number through salvation, right? We know that. There is the spiritual growth. That is, people grow in their relationship with God through transformation. We talked, I mean, that was mentioned quite a bit last night, right? Uh, you know, discipleship. That's what Bishop Majora talked about. Uh, the old essence is spiritual growth. How do we achieve that? How do we just go from mere numerical growth to spiritual growth? So people grow in their relationship with God. And that happens through discipleship, transformation, the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, the teaching, prayer, you know, personal responsibility as well that everybody needs to take. That is, spiritual growth must, is another dimension of growth that God is looking for. Uh, the church must grow in human resources, right? That means the church must grow, people grow in their gifting and their ability to serve, all right? That's how you measure growth. Uh, not just, you know, the church is a thousand people, the thousand people just show up for 10 people to minister to them. There's something missing there, right? All right. If the church is just a thousand people, everything is done by 10 professionals. Uh, we just run it, everybody just comes, you know, they show up, they are fans, you know, come in to watch, clap, you know, put a little thing in the offering and go home. Sadly, a lot of churches are like that. Uh, no, the church must grow in human resources. You know, I'm using, obviously, a more circular term. But what it means is uh, the church grow in their gifting. People grow in their gifting. You know, people, after a couple of years, discover now I can do this that I couldn't do before, right? Now I discover that I can, you know, I can teach. I discover I can, I can lead prayer. I can minister to others. I can counsel people. I can prophesy. You know, I can, you know, I can be used by God to disciple others. Now I discover I have this gift. Uh, and praise God as our story in this church because we emphasize human resources development. We, we emphasize every member here discovering that, first of all, they have a gift. They have a calling. They have an anointing. They have a grace over their life, right? And we create an environment for you to be able to exercise that. Hallelujah. So that's another dimension of growth. And the fourth thing is financial growth. The church grows in financial resources for the kingdom through faithfulness of our members. I actually read an article uh, a few days ago. Uh, I can't remember the name of the author who, who said something about, he, he said something about tithing, tithing and offering is not what is going to take, what is going to do the work of the kingdom. Uh, because the early church, if they were just banking on tithe and offering, we would not have the gospel. I mean, we have the gospel because the early church gave it all, right? They were not arguing about, you know, 10%, 5%, 2%, uh, dropping coin. No, they, I think they recognized there was a lot at stake for the kingdom, right? They recognize that if this gospel is going to be preached the whole world, everywhere, we have to really be able to sacrifice a lot in terms of our financial resources. So financial growth is a necessity for the church to be able to do the work of the kingdom, for the church to be effective, for the church to be what God wanted to be. Amen. So we're going to move on uh, to the next, where I, say, where I mentioned here, capacity is a necessity for growth. All right? It's not enough to desire growth. It's not, it's not enough to pray for growth, right? It's not enough to just say, oh, God, please grow our church. Uh, God, please, you know, we need to, we desire our church to grow. It's not enough to have a plan to grow. It's not enough to have all these things. We must increase our capacity for growth. All right? God brings the increase. But we must be able to contain the increase, right? And that's very, very important. What is capacity? Capacity is the maximum amount something can contain, right? That's how we use two containers. We say one is uh, 10 houses, one is 20. We're saying this is the capacity, this, contain, this is the maximum amount uh, this, uh, this, uh, this container can take. That's capacity. John Maxwell, in his book, which we've used several times, The Law of 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, talks about the law of the lead, L-I-D. And he says, the lower an, in, the lower an individual's ability to lead, the lower 
the lead of his potential. All right? The lower your ability to lead, the lower the lead of your potential. The higher your ability to lead, the higher the lead of your potential. I put it in there. Your leadership capacity always determines your effectiveness and the potential impact of your organization. Here he's talking about your leadership gifting, your leadership capacity is a limitation to your growth as a person. And, and it actually affects every aspect of your life. Even your career, your ministry, you know, your anything you do, your leadership capacity always determines your growth. It doesn't matter how much resources is thrown to you. It doesn't matter how much opportunities you are given. You know, your capacity is very, very important. And there are two analogies I'm going to give this morning that I think, you know, they are very, very important. Number one is the, the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. And we, I put it there because it's a very, very popular story. Uh, uh, maybe I'll read. I have a little bit of time. Okay, I'll read through. Let's read the, the scripture. 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophet cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for, such a, for, don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debt, and your son can live on what is left. Amen. Very interesting story here, Old Testament story. Very dramatic, of course, uh, but a lot of lessons that we can get in there. So you see this woman here, obviously was in a very, very, very difficult situation where, you know, you just, you read the story, you just, you're just happy you didn't live in that, in that century. All right? <laughs> You're just like, wow. So the husband, we don't know what happened. The husband died. Uh, didn't leave her a lot of money, but left her a lot of debt. You better not die leaving your family a lot of debt. That's why you need life insurance if you're a guy here, right? Even if you're a man, a man woman, parent, you need life insurance, all right? If something happened to you, you don't want to leave your family in debt. So this guy didn't get life insurance. All right? It was like typical guy. Obviously, maybe invest money in businesses, hoping the money will come. Nothing showed up. Creditors following him. Maybe he had a heart attack. Why creditors were, were after him or, or whatever. Now his wife and two sons are left. And, this was, this was, and he's a man of God. Can you imagine? A man of God, all right, left his wife and kids with no money, that's bad enough, with mountain of debt. And unfortunately, they lived in primitive time, right? People wanted to come and take his sons as slaves. So she knew. Even though it's a story of miracle, I don't want my family to need this kind of miracle. I don't want them to be in that situation. But that's beside the point. The miracle here, though, was uh, the way the miracle happened, I think we have a lot of lessons to learn because God does things for us. You know, God, these, these things are written carefully for us to learn. So the prophet said, you have something. What do you have? He said, I just have a, a small jar of olive oil. And the prophet simply said, I can make that more. I can increase that. But you must increase your capacity to contain them. That's, that's, that's the story. Yes, I can multiply that. This small jar, I, jar, I can make it so huge. 
But what will be the point of miracle of increase when you don't even have the capacity to contain them? So the man of God told her, I need you to go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. So just imagine he went to, she went to her neighbor and knocked, I need a jar. Some of them will probably say yes, right? You know, some of them will give it to her. Some of them will say, oh, all my jars are, they are full. I have stuff in there. I don't have any. I mean, so she went from house to house. Now, notice that the prophet did not even put a limit on how many jars, how many containers. There was no limit. In fact, the only statement the prophet said is, let it not be a few. Right? So it could be a thousand, it could be two thousand, it could be a million, it could be whatever. All I'm saying is, you don't need a few. I thought that's powerful. Uh, you know, so he said, come borrow. Sometimes increasing our capacity in, includes borrowing. Because sometimes borrowing is a very humble, heart, a humble act. You know, learning from other people, coming to a conference like this, it's a humble admission, right? That we need help, that we need, I need to learn. Some people won't come to this, what do I need to learn? I mean, I've had people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've heard everything about church. I've heard everything, anything you need to teach about church. When people say that, that's pride to the highest degree. Because no matter what you know, there is always the need to know more. All right? There's always the need. Somebody can teach you more. So it's always very important. You see, find me someone who is humble enough to always want to learn. You see someone that will continuously increase in their capacity to be blessed by God. So this is what happened here. So go, go and borrow. You know, go around. So the woman went around. Now, the funny thing about her going around was, I am not even sure she knew why she was borrowing those empty jars. You know, because sometimes you don't even know why you are learning things you are learning. You know, and that's why, you know, as believers, we must be so convinced God works everything together for good. There are jobs you are doing now that might look so irrelevant. They might look so not you know, consistent with your vision, with your this, with your that. I mean, you just never know why God is putting you there. There is a place you are serving now. You know, sometimes people come to church, they are serving in ushers or they are serving in a choir or cleaning or where or sound. But in their mind, I have a calling to be a teacher. So sometimes I've seen people so impatient because they are like, you know what, this is, this is my calling is bigger than what I'm doing. And they want to leave that. You just never know. So it's always good to really just accept where God has placed you. I've seen people who are not very happy because they think they are more spiritual than their ministry leader. Yeah. They just think I can do a better job than her. I can do a better job than him. Because of that, they become uncooperative, right? I mean, they just criticize everything that person does. You know, they just want to, instead of them being humble, to submit themselves to learn. Sometimes... You don't know why God has called you to do what you're doing. So this woman went borrowing jars, not even knowing why she borrowed the jar. That's powerful, all right? And so she came back, and, uh, and, the, you know, and she did everything, and the, 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 the prophet said, begin to pour. I thought that's powerful. He said, go inside, shut the door behind and pour into all the jars. So she was doing all that, you know, and she kept pouring. Look at verse 5. She left him, shut the door behind her sons. She brought the jar, they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. So God began to, so the miracle didn't start until there were empty jars. So blessing doesn't start until we have the capacity to hold the blessing. All right? That's part of why we do this. Because if we as a church, we're going to go to the next level, we must develop the capacity for the next level. You know, I think, I think, I believe, you know, this thought came to my mind uh, a few years ago. They say, you know, if our church automatically, let's say, triple, which is there's nothing too difficult for God to do, right? The church can become multiplied by five in three days, in one week. 
You know, the real question will be, do we even have the capacity to undo those people? It might actually destroy the church. It might destroy where you are. It might destroy the, I mean, if you do. So capacity, I believe, is what God always look at. Uh, he always look at how, you know, can we handle being blessed? I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, can you handle being blessed? You know how many people have been ruined because they suddenly have money that they were not even prepared to handle. You know how many people their life, I mean, even the legal implication, the, the coverage, the insurances they must have, the whatever, the taxes, how they should, I mean, they, they have all this windfall. Three years later, they are in debt. You know, they have so many lawsuits on them. I mean, they have all these crazy things that people will gather this money gradually because they learn along the way. And they made mistakes when it wasn't as costly. Like, they learned gradually along the way. So sometimes, sudden blessing can ruin people when they are not prepared for it. So it's important to know that. You know, and that is why, instead of just wishing you have more money, why don't you develop your ability to manage money? Did you get that now? It's actually, you develop your ability to manage it so that when it increases, you can manage it. Don't just wish I have a million dollars. Wish I have this. When the $30,000 you are having is giving you, is, is, is messing you around. The, loot, the little money you have, God is so worried about you, right? He gives you a $100,000 job, then God is really interceding that you show up in church. Hallelujah. So why not just manage that? Manage the three people in your ministry. Manage the four or five people in your ministry. Develop a system in your ministry to be able to do a better job, to be able to care for the people he has put under you. Don't just wish, I wish I have more people. Oh, I wish I have more people. My ministry doesn't have people. We don't have, we don't have resources. The people you have, manage them. Show to God that you are developing the capacity to lead, capacity to be the kind of person when blessing comes, it's easy. Amen. So it's important. So this is what happened to this story. Uh, they brought the jar. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, she didn't even realize, bring me another one. Because I think she was enjoying it. I mean, this thing is, like you're pouring this thing, is going, you're like, man, whoa, let's get this. She, you know, she was just enjoying, I mean, obviously in her mind, she's a woman, she's calculating, you know, she's making how much I will make out of this. Whoa. And she said, bring me another jar. And they said, there's nothing left. Then the oil stopped. I'm, I'm thinking if the woman said, wow, I wish I got more. You know, I wish I got more empty jars. Wow, I wish I got twice as much. I wish I asked harder. I wish I begged harder. I wish I went to the next block, two blocks later. I mean, I wish I did all this. But the, the story here is a stop flowing. So increasing capacity is very important as a church. And that's, that's my prayer, that God will increase our capacity. He will work with us, whatever he needs to do with us, to be able to grow. So capacity is very important to grow. Now, the second story that I really always, that I also love is the, the story in Luke chapter 5, 3 to 7. Uh, we saw another miracle here in the New Testament where Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus blessed uh, Simon did something for Simon, and he was able to catch a fish. Now he's been he's been he's been fishing all night. There was nothing. The story is that he lent Jesus his boat. Jesus used his boat, and Jesus wanted to bless him. And Jesus said, "You know, how about just go let your net down?" And of course, he said with the famous story, "Oh, I've I've done this all night. Nevertheless, because you say so, I'm going to do it." But what, he ended up, what ended up happening here is that they caught so much fish and they realized they had a small boat. They, you know, and sometimes that might be the story of our life. We have a huge harvest in a small boat. 
and they had to signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, all right? And they filled both boats, and they even began to sink. Sometimes a huge harvest can sink our boat. Same, same story from different, uh, obviously, different perspective and different uh, dispensation. So in this case, they had a harvest, and they were sinking. I don't know how many people have experienced this, that in, you know, probably, that they sink simply because they have a huge harvest. They got promoted too soon, all right? And they end up losing the job because they were not even ready for it, all right? Uh, you know, the church grows too soon. They were not ready for it. And everybody's, everybody, everybody's messed up. Their marriage is messed up. Their relationship messed up because they just can't handle, uh, you know, what God has done. So you can't have a large harvest in a small boat. All right, we're going to move on from there. It takes more skill and laborers to harvest than to sow. It's another truth I want to let us know here. That You see, if you look at farming, and that's how God had designed it. And I grew up in a farming area. You know, the part of the country I grew up from in Nigeria was farming area. It takes a lot less labor to plant. Harvesting takes a lot more in terms of laborers, in terms of machinery, in terms of you know, equip, equipment and all those things. It's a lot more harder work. You know. So harvesting is always much more difficult. And that's why Jesus prayed here, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. What God is calling us to do is more, is liking more to harvest. All right? Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. All right? So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to end by giving thoughts on how do we increase our capacity. And this is applicable to us, obviously, as a church, because we are talking about taking our church to the next level. This is applicable to you as a person, you know, whether it's your finances, whether it's your, uh, you know, career, whether it's your relationships. You know, you must always think in terms of capacity when you think of growth. Do I have the capacity? Am I developing my capacity? The first thing the scripture emphasizes a lot is the word faithfulness. Faithfulness is the foundation for growth. I want you to say that. Faithfulness is the foundation for growth. Amen. Jesus used the word faithful several times in the Bible. Several times. I gave a few examples here. Uh, you know, a few scriptures here for us to know. But the word, you have been faithful in little, right? Enter into the joy of, our, of your Lord. You have been faithful in, in little, then more shall be given unto you. He that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. You know, constantly, it's a recurring theme when you read, especially the Gospels, that faithfulness is a foundation. It's the foundation, really. His master replied in Matthew 25, 23, well done, thou, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, you can't desire big things when you are not faithful with small things. You can't. I mean, you can't say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm just not too, I'm not really fired up because my church is just 20 people. Just wait. When my church becomes 2,000, you are really going to see the pastor in me. You're going to see the, the grace of God. Now, if you're not faithful with 20 people, God knows you're not going to be faithful with 2,000 people. You're not going to be faithful with 200 people. You know, God knows that. You know, so if you're not faithful with what you have, you're not going to be faithful with what you want. Is a principle that God knows that is very, very rock solid. You can say, oh, yeah, you know, I can't give to God now until I just wait till I become very rich. Oh, 
you know, all this project that you're talking about, I'm going to write a single check. A single check, I'm going to write. No, no, God is not looking for that. God is not looking for, God is not looking to just, you know, make you be the one to write the check. No, God is looking for you being faithful. God is more concerned about your obedience, your faithfulness than all that. Because God can do his work with or without you. The reason why he's choosing you is because he wants to walk in you, right? Amen. So that's important. Faithfulness is big. The word, the Greek word for faithful is the word pistos. Of a person who showed themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. A person that can be relied on. Objectively trustworthy, subjectively trustful. In the New Testament, one who trusts in God's promises. Faithfulness is the bedrock of growth in everything you do. If you're faithful in little, little, you'll be faithful in much. And God knows that. And no matter how we try to convince him otherwise, and I think sometimes we try to convince God otherwise, we'll say, oh, yeah, the reason I'm not serving well is this is really not my calling. You know, my calling is really to be a Bible teacher. I'm just here. You know, my calling is just to preach to thousands of people in the crusade. The reason why I'm not functioning well is because I can't deal with just talking to 20 people. God knows that if you're not faithful with dealing with teaching 20 people, you're not going to be faithful with thousands in the crusade. You know, I challenge our children's ministry teachers sometimes. They say, I want you to prepare. If I tell you you're going to minister for 15 minutes in church on a Sunday, I know you're going to fast, you're going to pray. I know how much work you're going to put into it, right? Now, but you're going to teach some 20 little kids in that room there, you probably just wing it. You wake up, oh, what are we teaching? Oh, they are little kids. Oh, where's that, where's that booklet? You start looking at the booklet, you know, you just go there and wing it. And trust me, some of those kids know. My kids in children's ministry, they tell me when their teachers are not prepared. <laughs> they know. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond being faithful. Right? But Jesus said, let the little kids come, right? Because theirs is the kingdom of God. That means Jesus was willing to give little kids as much attention as he was willing to give with adults. So faithfulness in little things is very important, and it is the foundation of growth, and we can bypass that. Number two is curiosity. Curiosity is the catalyst for knowledge. All right? Curiosity. Being curious. Curiosity is a strong desire to know or learn something. We're talking about how to increase our capacity. We increase our capacity by being curious. Curiosity leads to discovery. Discovery increases your hunger for more. It's very important. So we must become people who are curious. People who just don't see things, but people who, are, who, who look at things with a curious mind. You know, who wants to learn? Because we are always learning. Learning is not just always something formal. Learning is not always, okay, we are sitting down in a class and somebody is teaching us. Learning doesn't just occur in the four walls of a classroom. In fact, learning occurs every day for people who have a curious mind, for people who ask why. For people who go to another church, conferences, or talking to people, it might just be you have a conversation with someone for 30 minutes, and you walk out of that place with a lot of information, if you're curious. If you're not curious, it won't mean much. You know, all those things will just fly over your head, and you just move on. So we must be people who are curious. Curious people increase their capacity a lot more. Because they have a strong desire to know, they have a strong desire to learn. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But it goes further, he said, because you have rejected knowledge. That means that knowledge is always being presented to you on a regular basis. And he said, I also reject you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of the Lord, I also will ignore your children. 
Hosea 6.3. I love that verse. I think I actually preached about this before. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. You see, that means a lot of people follow the Lord not to know the Lord. And so they don't know the Lord. A lot of people just follow the Lord to follow the Lord. I mean, and what prevents people from knowing God personally, I mean, and a lot of people can really be Christians for 10, 20 years, they don't even know the character of God. They don't know about his faithfulness. They don't know about, you know, about his wisdom. They don't know about his sovereignty. They don't know so many things about God. And you know, when some challenging things happen to them, you start hearing what they say, you're like, wow, this person is, has been a Christian for so many years and they're still talking like this. Why? They are following the, they've been following the Lord not to know. So, we shall know if we follow to know. All right? So, we increase our capacity first by being faithful with what we have. Number two, by being curious. Number three, skillfulness. Skillfulness is a combination of knowledge and know-how. When faithfulness is combined with curiosity, it leads to skillfulness. Skillful people can do things well, and they can do them quicker. They are high-capacity people. Hallelujah. Look at what Proverbs 22, 29 says. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Skillfulness. The Bible talks about David, right? He served with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. Skillfulness is a combination of knowledge and know-how. When a faithful person, you know, there are faithful people who are not curious people. They don't grow. Yeah, you, you know, you can. That's why sometimes you can have someone with 20 years of experience. But it's 20 years doing the same thing with no curiosity. I mean, somebody with five years of experience might have five, five years that is more active, right? More diverse because they are curious. They are not just doing the tasks they are given. They are actually understanding what is going on around the office, around the company, why things are the way they are. They are taking on more challenges. They've been there for five years, and you take these two people, and somebody is saying, I have more years of experience. You know, sometimes some people have more years of bad experience. And they are not even, you know, they are not, they are not useful. All right? So that is why we must come. It's not just being faithful in what you do. With your faithfulness combining with acquisition of knowledge, which happens because you are always curious. You are always finding out. <clears throat> Why do people, one of the things I love is to read people's biography, all right? Because you learn a lot more about them. Sometimes, sometimes they are autobiography. You know, so you must combine that. When you're faithful and you're curious, you you become someone that is skillful. And you know skillful people. And we need skillful people in the kingdom because skillful people can do things well and quickly. The kingdom is, you know, the, obviously the world is more versatile. The world is more, you know, the world is more complex. All right? So we need people. We need Christians who can talk about what is going on in the world. Politics, finances, you know, technology. We just don't need people in their shell. We just think, we just quote the Bible that is, no, 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 no. We need skillfulness. So when faithfulness is combined with curiosity, it leads to skillfulness. A few more minutes, I will talk about our thinking capacity. Because you cannot outperform your thoughts. All right? How to increase our capacity. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Uh, is also from another uh, um, version say, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. All right? God, if you're going to really increase our capacity, we must increase our thinking capacity. A lot of time what limits us is our thoughts. Our thoughts. 
our thoughts, and I believe what God is really looking for us, in fact, measure of growth as believers is what God is looking for is for our thought to enter into his thoughts. You know, when we talk about renewing of mind, which we talk about a lot, you know, renewing your mind, renewing your mind, renewing your mind. For a long time, I would just, it just looked like, how do we do? We just brush our mind. Do we just wash it with soap? Do we just, you know, sometimes we talk about renewing our mind. Renewing our mind simply means, you know, allowing our mind to enter into God's thoughts, our own thoughts. Because the Bible says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Isn't that what he said? He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I don't believe God is just saying that to say, you are not me, I'm different from you, I am here, you are there. I believe our relationship with God alone is an invitation to share in God's thoughts. Because really, most times the way God speaks to us is by, his, by our thoughts. When we spend enough time with him, he begins to plant thoughts into our mind. That's what visions are. Visions are not television that we see. You know, sometimes when we say, I have a vision, I have a vision. No, visions are just thoughts in your heart. The thought of the diligence, the Bible says, they are plenteous. All right? When we have a relationship with God, what you are going to discover is he begins to plant his visions, his thoughts into your thoughts. And when God begins to do that, you see things differently. You see people differently. You see, you know, you see opportunities where other people see difficulties because your thought is now higher. Your thought is entering, entering God's thought. Praise the name of Jesus. All right? So that's important. We must increase, and that's how we do. We increase our thinking capacity by meditating on the word of the Lord. You don't see people meditating on scripture wanting to go kill themselves. Because when, you, when your thought, you know, is, is in God's thought, it's always good. You know, when your thinking is infused by the word of God, it's always faith, right? It instills faith. It instills character. It instills good judgment. That's all you do. I mean, people who do all those negative things is because they don't spend enough time in the Word of God. All right? So really, increasing our thinking capacity means we are meditating on the Word of God. We are meditating on His promises. You know, that automatically causes you to think differently than others. All right? Ephesians 3.20 says... Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in you. Amen. So the last one we're going to talk about in terms of increasing our capacity is our organizational capacity. It's one thing to want to see our church grow. It's entirely another thing. Position for your church is another thing to position your church structurally so you can accommodate growth. If you structure bigger, you can grow bigger. If you don't, you won't. And goes back to where I started that is your life organized for growth. It's not enough to wish you have more money. Are you even organized to have more money? You only have one bank account. No savings, you just have checking. I mean, you're all over the place, you know, everything, and you're just praying that I, I want to be rich. You don't, you never even read, what's the market going down, market going up? You don't even know what it means. What is stock, what is bond? You say, oh, I don't care about all those things. You're not structuring your life for blessing. All right? You're not structuring your life for blessing. How do you spend your money? You don't even know. How much do you make? Some people don't even know how much they make in a month, how much they spend. I mean, it's all vague to them. They're just living life. You know, just everything is just happening to them. They're just following in. That's lack of organization. You know, the best way I look at organization is when you, when you fold your clothes and you put it in a basket, 
you know you can fit more into the basket than when you just throw them there. Did you see that? So simple organization actually increases your capacity. All right? If I just want to go, if I just gather all my clothes and just fit it into some, you see you fit less. But when you take time to fold everything and put it in there, you see that you might, you might just be taking half or three-quarter of the same. You see, organizing your life makes you, increases your capacity as a person. Some of us, the amount of time we even spend looking for documents. I mean, it's taking so much time. I mean, because it's lack of organization. Where's your tax return from 2015? It tells you you have a, tells me you have a lot of time. I don't have that luxury. Every, I, can go, I can go on my phone and pull it out now. I don't have that time. When it's needed, I want to be able to provide it in two, three minutes. I don't want to spend half a day going through boxes, Where's my tax return from here? Where's my this? What was this? I want to connect with you because organization is not just always about businesses, companies, about churches. It's also about how we live our life. And being organized automatically increases your capacity, your effectiveness, your ability to do more, to be more, to manage your time properly, and to do a lot more things for God. All right? So if you're looking to increase your capacity for more, all right, if you're looking to increase your ability to be blessed, we're talking about growth is not just about growth. It's really at the end of at the, the root of it is your capacity, all right? So if you structure bigger, you will grow bigger. If your life is organized for growth, is your life organized for growth? That's the question. Is your ministry organized for growth? Is your church organized for growth? And that's why we have this, so that we as a church can be positioned for growth. All right? So we are not limited uh, because we must continue, you know, to structure ourselves, increase our thinking for growth, and in every other aspect so we can truly be the church that God has in his mind. Let's bow down and pray. Lord, we thank you. We honor you today.